Welcome back, everyone. I, I, get to, I get to tell you about what we have going on next week before we get into the Q&A. So next week on October the 12th, um, SACPA will continue the conversation on reforming the Canadian Senate um, with Speaker Senator Grant Mitchell. So I hope that you all will be able to come back for that session. If not, as you know, you can, can catch it on Shaw or on SACPA's website. Um, let's see here. I'm, I'm to remind you that uh, upcoming sessions are listed on SACPA's website, which is sacpa.ca, and the sessions can be heard in audio and as podcast from that website. If you have any ideas or suggestions on future topics or how SACPA can be even more enlightening, please leave your comments on the suggestion, uh, the suggestion box that's out in the lobby um, with, your, with your name as well. All right, I think it's time. It's time for the Q&A. I'm gonna come over there. I have to be up here. There we go. All right. Hello? Dr. Andrew Haken to the mic. Um, when you're coming up for, for your questions, if to the point, um, and we, we have just time for one or two topical questions. Bev Mundell Atherstone, thank you very much. Really Bev. appreciated your overview and your um, uh, stimulating talk. Thank you. <clears throat> I was an assistant prof in the 70s and 80s in the Faculty of Education at the U of L. Um, when it was still very, very proud of its liberal arts, liberal education foundation. Uh, so your talk has highlighted the need for the U of L graduates to be able to deal with complexity, diversity, and change. And you speak to the intersectionality of disciplines. In other words, not having each discipline as a tower <clears throat> as the necessary factors for leaps forward in thinking. Um, ultimately, it seems that we are, that a liberal education would try to free us from entrapment within our perceptual understandings created by our culture, politics, language, and spiritual traditions. So my question is, don't you, f don't you feel from your research and your understanding of liberal education that we should actually ensure that all the students graduating from the U of L have a second language, not necessarily a European language, but another language, especially Asian languages, as we have so much trade with Asia, because there is nothing that takes you out of your comfort zone and challenges everything you know about your perceptual upbringing as immersion in another language. Thank you. Thanks, Bev. Um, really interesting question. Does every student need that second language? Um, it's not something that uh, I have a set opinion on. Um, <coughs> I think the experience of learning a language is an important piece in itself. And um, uh, certainly in terms of enhancing the goals of liberal education, communication, uh, translation, uh, in terms of ideas into multi and into different forms, those are very important ideas. The question is, Bev, how much can one do in 40 courses? <laughs> 
And I, I, I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, there's, there's a whole host of things I think one would want to try and achieve in a liberal education. My passion, for example, is not recognized yet in what we do, but I would say there's always room to look at the great works <laughs> and have a course on the great works for all of our students. And, you know, we don't currently do that. It may be interplayed throughout the curriculum. But if you look at those great works, what happens there is, is that, you know, they're all about change and they're all about argumentation. They're all about changing society. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm a strong believer in sort of such mind-enriching experiences, but the physical constraints of the education itself actually uh, lock us in. Our degrees are... Uh, sort of well-defined 40 courses. And they're interesting vehicles and worthy of debate in themselves as to whether that's the best way to do things. And there is a lot of talk about this. Is a degree simply a collection of courses? I argue it's about this infused experience all the way through, purposely trying to break down the idea that each unit of a degree is a course. But um, there are others that say, no, you, you need to strip away all of those other pieces and all those boundaries. Um, so I'm, I'm giving you what I would say as an unsatisfactory answer in that, yes, I agree, a second language uh, or languages themselves are a worthy part of a liberal education. The question is, how will one move a student in and out in 40 courses and impart on them the things that we think are important and where would language sit within that sort of uh, continuum? Thanks for the question. Really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Jim Tagg, and thank you, Andy, for a Jim. very interesting and good speech. Thank you. Uh, and from different directions than I've heard before. Uh, over the decades, when I would speak with people individually or to groups in more formal settings, I'm kind of the same thing you did. Uh, I ran up against this problem. People would ask, What's the subject of a liberal education? What's the method of a liberal education? What, some people even, what is the theory of a liberal education? And a lot of times say, well, there isn't any. Uh, it's kind of an end product, and even there, it's kind of a strange thing. And we don't know exactly what it is. So then, then I'd get the blowback on people, and there's where the question for you comes. I thought so. Uh, so people would say, I teach, I'm, I do liberal education in all my courses, absolutely all of them. I teach critical thinking, I do this and that. University professors have, a, have an ego, you may, mm -hmm. we may know. <laughs> and uh, so why not just carry on as we do? Yeah. Uh, I do the infusion, right? Yeah. Added to that question, <laughs> that's a question, why, why not just yeah, sure. go as we do? Added to that question is, um, how is this infusion going to look? And when what I see there is kind of a partitioning of liberal education from everything except GLUR, uh, in or you seem a suggestion of that. Now I don't know mm -hmm. what what other ways, but uh, so I have the question: yeah. how outside of those normal single classrooms? Yeah. Um, what, what will be done. Thanks, Jim, really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's, of course, you know, a lot of our colleagues, you spot on, Jim, of course, was a grand colleague for many years at the university. 
And uh, that, that's right. A lot of our colleagues will say, well, what I do is liberal education. I think I'll, I'll, I'll give a personal answer to that. As part of uh, 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 the Liberal Education Committee in the Faculty of Arts and Science many years ago, I served with the eminent Peter McCormick and John Woods. Um, and um, it was all about trying to maintain liberal education in the Faculty of Arts and Science. And at that time, I was having a real issue because um, my department was fighting to have my analytical chemistry course as part of the science list on general liberal education. And as a student of liberal education, I'm looking at this going, guys, this is, this is about as focused as you can get in chemistry. It's analytical chemistry. It's, it's deep analysis of compounds. Yes, there's a, there's a scientific thought that goes in it, but I would be really stretched to pull this into the framework of if you're thinking about science and liberal education, then take Andy Haken's Chemistry 2410. It just didn't work. So I've never had a good answer for that because you're right, it, those arguments have hit again and again. I would say part of what uh, the movement in sort of giving courses is at the moment is to unambiguously state, and this is a movement across North America, your learning objectives. And so a lot of where things are going is to sit down, and not just for the course, but for the degree. And I hold hope that the learning objectives approach of the curriculum is a way in which to finally address this. Because I still see a lot of courses on, the on those lists, I go, I, I don't get it. As a, as a person looking in, I don't get it. Uh, the learning objectives are a roadmap of skills, abilities, critical thinking, breadth, etc., that guide a student through the, the requirements of an overall degree, which itself would have learning objectives. It's, it's, and some call it the sort of Boy Scout method of you collect the badges as you go. I, I, I don't like that analogy. But it, it, it is a way in which you, we get everyone to finally sit down and try and uniformly go through the experience they provide to identify what are the key aspects in a number of pieces. So I hope that that will give us some light on that question. Your second part, Jim, remind me again, please. What? Uh, well, uh, what you presented at the end made it appear that uh, a targeted liberal education activity yeah. seemed to be partitioned into into different places, and in fact, no. creating some program in liberal education too no. kind of hives it off. And no. uh, uh, I get it. Someplace. So. And so my intention was not to suggest it would be hived off. I, I, if I can. And that was the danger of my sort of bullseye type uh, diagram that I put on the, on, on the, on the PowerPoint there. What I, the example I'd like you to remember, what I'm trying to put forward, is this idea of an infusion of liberal education throughout the whole experience. I think it begins with an understanding that the elements within the major can be part of a liberal education. And it goes beyond that. What are uh, the learning objectives within the major itself? But then every part of the experience has to be part of the liberal education. And I want to go beyond the formal classroom experience. That's what I'm trying to say with this. If we get this right, it should be recognized on a student's transcript all of these different activities that they've had at university that don't necessarily or may not be the building blocks of a degree. 
It would be the volunteer experience, recognized. It would be the agility experience, recognized. Um, but no, my intention is not to try and present this as isolated activity. Yes, the breadth component could be viewed as um, certainly a, a, a one component of the degree. But if we get it right, it's the full continuum, yeah. above and beyond 40. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Much appreciated. Hi, my name is Henning Mundell. Henning. <clears throat> and my question to you, I'll give a preamble before really getting into it, relates more if you can provide us with a bit of a historical background. Um, basically, what I'm trying to get at is in recent decades, certainly politicians particularly, and others have really emphasized job-related uh, post-secondary education and trying to fill where are our gaps and where do we fill it. However, this wasn't always that way. And my question to you is, has this movement away from a more universal education, after all, the term university, we talk about renaissance people yeah. uh, having all these things in past centuries, there were people that, Sure, knowledge has exploded, but people were much more versed in a great diversity of topics and through their university education became educated people, yeah. not just technicians in this or that. Has that movement towards the more technical and job-oriented started at different times in Europe versus North America? And is Europe moving away from it or what? Yeah, thanks for the, for the question, Henning. Let me begin by um, thinking about the journey U of L took. Um, and when it was formed in '67, liberal education was already part of the makeup, and that was different. That was very different at the time um, compared to what was happening at U of A and U of C. Um, it was viewed as a um, as a way of bringing ideas together, and in fact. The ideas of liberal education were infused in the very construction of the building. Uh, University Hall, level six. If you look at the layout still on level six, that's the main walkway through the length of University Hall. There are areas in there that have seats that are, are tiered up. The idea behind that was very quite simple, in that after the... Um, after a formal lecture, whatever that would be, there'd be opportunity for collision with other lecture groups and other lecturers sitting together and talking about ideas, sharing, perhaps disagreeing about where things went. That in itself was quite revolutionary at the time. And I, I can't speak to whether or not that was a success, but in the design of which I've spent quite a bit of time looking at the university design as we build a new science academic building, that was certainly the purpose. They we call them now, in a very fanciful way, collision zones. That's the modern terminology. Collision zones for ideas. But they were part of the University of Lethbridge from the day that building opened in 71. They were, they were, they were there. We moved through those sorts of ideas as an institution. And I, I, I'll say I, I, I don't want to do it a disservice because there are many hands on how the curriculum developed at the U of L over a period of 50 years. But in a time when curricular complexity became something that we all got into in a big way, um, there was a push 
towards isolating liberal education towards only being a breadth experience. And that meant, as I said before, looking at various courses within lists, social sciences, humanities, sciences, etc., and taking a smattering of courses across. And so what became a great idea became um, an articulation within the university calendar. And some would argue that, yeah, that was a, a very practical way to go, but it wasn't liberal education. And then in the early 90s, or even late 80s, there was a resurgence um, of liberal education, uh, thought and concern within campus. People like Ron Yoshida, James Tagg, others began to lift up the, the conversation about where does the liberal education within the university sit? What is it? And we spent a lot of years arguing over and debating respectfully where things should go for liberal education, but we never actually got beyond the idea of there being lists of subjects. The idea now is, yes, to still have this breadth component, but to actually define using those pillars that I've identified for you there, those four pillars, a different way of thinking about it as, the, as I answered the gym, the whole experience. Now, in terms of what we do, um, there are many models of liberal education, and some of the private schools in the US still frame their whole education system around us. They go to different extremes as well. Uh, the great works play an important part in many schools in the US, particularly private colleges. Uh, athleticism, physical fitness also play a part in some of those schools as well. Going back to the Greek ideals, <laughs> if you want to, there are variations of liberal education all the way through that basically show that. And those are incredibly popular schools with very rich legacies of you know, incredible graduates that they've produced. Is there one way of doing it? No, there isn't. Um, it was a totally, totally alien system to me when I came to North America. I went through a British system, which was you take your major and you do math for fun. I did chemistry and I did math. That was it. And it was an intense degree program. I had no idea as a graduate of my home institution, University of Leicester, that such a thing as liberal education actually existed. Because all I knew was single subject. That's what you did. I often thought when I, when I, when I took that position at University of Lethbridge, what a fantastic opportunity to get course credit to do something that I was doing for enjoyment in my single subject, picking up a good book and, and really getting into a different way of thinking or reading around a different subject and getting credit for it. I couldn't believe it. And I'm a, you know, like most converts, I'm pretty passionate about it because I believe it to be so much better than the system that I went through. Um, it's, it's individualized, and that's what I like about it. People can go their own path. Liberal education is about finding your path and finding those skills that will support you as you move forward. And I, I, I still think, for the most part, although there are examples across Europe, uh, it is primarily led by North America at this point. Um, Andy, we, we needed to give you another half an hour to, to <laughs> I, talk. I, you got more questions. That's but I, I, I hope I've, Henning, at least in part answered your question. All right. 
We have we have 15 minutes to go. We'll get in hopefully these these last three at least, and then if there's a couple more as well. My name is Andrew Blair. Andrew. And uh, you've presented liberal education as a uh, good preparation for the workplace. I think that that is partially true. I think that there are a great variety of workplaces out there with a great variety of cultures. And whether or not liberal education is a good preparation for the workplace, I am in support of it. However, for those workplaces in which the culture is not conducive to critical thinking, and there are such workplaces where what they really want is followers, people who are willing to take directives without questioning. What can liberal education do to prepare people for those kinds of workplaces? Thanks very much for your question. Um, yeah, of course, I mean, if one goes to the sort of current uh, political view um, with respect to preparation for jobs, um, that's an obvious outcome of, of, of such an environment. What does liberal education do for everyone? Well, hopefully I've begun at least to put you on the path that I believe there are elements of liberal education that can move society, and no matter what role you play in it, forward through uh, an understanding of uh, respectful debate and argument. I think those understandings of how one interacts with someone with respect and with an understanding of their position, with empathy, um, with control, are elements of an educated brain. And that doesn't mean that that person is any different um, because they work in a medical facility or they're in a factory constructing a shoe, for example. Those same things must certainly apply if we're going to have a good society. And I, I, so I think liberal education, no matter what it is, if you're in the trades, I think the ability to communicate to people is just as important. And I believe liberal education puts that baseline into place. Um, and I think it, it, it really does divorce itself from where you end up going. It's a way of being. It's, it, it's, a, it's a pattern of thought that demands respect. And in that, I think it's universal. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is David Wiggers. So uh, you've touched on a couple of things. Um, as far as liberal education and incorporating the last question, um, <clears throat> wouldn't um, it be prudent to expand liberal education even in courses that are focused towards uh, careers that uh, are specific? Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, another question uh, that I wanted to uh, address. Um, in my studies, I took a course called Advanced Applied Mathematics. Lots of fun. Um, There's only so many people can say that. <laughs> um, and mathematics is known as a universal language. So where languages are uh, typically uh, understood as a, a liberal field of study, um, and advanced applied mathematics is totally focused, so um, uh, leading up to your course, 
it is, even though f a focused uh, uh, discipline, still a liberal um, arts uh, thing. So mm -hmm. language is, in fact, cooperated. That said, as a young boy, um, I was uh, an, uh, a transplant like yourself. Um, in Holland, we, um, as part of uh, getting two <coughs> post-secondary uh, fields of study, uh, multiple languages are um, not just encouraged but required. Mm -hmm. um, might have something to do with the proximity to countries that we speak other right. languages. All that said, let me get to my question. Sorry. Um, I'm running for uh, uh, city council. How can I, as a councillor, help promote liberal study and help promote the, the graduates to stay in this region um, where they've had their field of study, where they've gotten their degrees or masters and whatnot, and help promote and grow this community? Great questions. Thank you very much. Let's start with your first point. Um, indeed, in the professional programs we offer at the university, liberal education plays a role. It's part of every student's path as they go through the institution. And so um, the professional programs, Faculty of Management, uh, Education to some degree, and also within the Faculty of Health Sciences are a lot more directed to profession. However, they're also infused with the elements of liberal education. And um, that is a purposeful stance in the belief that it is a uniform piece to put through and infuse. Um, your second question is, um, is very good. Um, and let me start with your idea uh, about math and just a, a very short commentary on that. The idea of math um, in society today, I'm afraid, worries and troubles a lot of our citizens. <laughs> Uh, we have created um, a time when most Canadians need to turn to someone to do the taxes for them because they can't work out a percentage. Something's failing. Something is failing badly. Um, what we are doing is to introduce these courses on numeracy. Numeracy is a skill for life. You have to be comfortable in doing simple understandings of numbers and where they sit and how they're related. And we find, um, as a course offered by one of my colleagues, Shelley Wismath, on numeracy, and um, it is incredibly popular with our students. Why? Because they're, they're the individuals that have actually succeeded with the grades to go to university, but they remain frightened of numbers. How can a civilized society be frightened of numbers? It is the backbone of what we do day in, day out. Every transaction is numerical. And if you hand that over to someone else, you are giving them responsibility for something you should take control of. Y you know, so I, I greatly appreciate your example of mathematics. It, uh, numeracy in particular, fantastic. Um, now, with respect to what you can say about um, liberal education, um, I think, it, it, I think it's all about selling that experience. It's all about engaged citizenry. And that, that's, that's what, that is the promise of liberal education, engaged citizens giving back to community. And we are setting up the vehicles to, to build that population. Have done for years, now enhancing. And if that's the message you could put out, we'd be very, very grateful. And I think it will bring dividends. 
All right. Um, my name. This will be our last question for today. My name is Kathleen Karasage, Cat, and um, I'm not involved with the university except that my son is a student there. Oh, wonderful. Yes, and what's interesting is, is that he has been home educated all the way through to university with a liberal education background. Mm -hmm. So I'm very pleased that we've been able to find a, right here in town, uh, an education that will continue that. But my challenge is, um, you've got to do more of these kinds of things. Like get the information out as to what liberal education is. Mm -hmm. I know that when I would talk about our approach to education, everybody thought I was teaching my son how to be a member of the liberal party. Yeah. Or how to be, how to fight against conservatism. Yeah. And so that's one thing. But I also yeah. know that liberal education, the term itself, has a very long history. But my biggest, my biggest question or challenge is how can you talk about soft skills in a way that does not end up sounding like, oh, isn't that nice that those nice ladies who don't have to go to work are painting watercolors in their, in their diaries? Um, soft skills, <laughs> the ability to respectfully disagree and still move somewhere is, as you say, absolutely needed for the complex problems that we have. Agreed. And also the research is there, how to work in groups and how to you know, bring disruption, that kind of thing. And people of your age and my age, we were not educated in this way. We were educated in the various disciplines. So how do you have your professors teach soft skills in a way that doesn't make it sound like, oh, isn't that nice if you have time for that? Mm. Great questions. Thank you very much. And really appreciate that your son's at U of L. Long may it last. Um, <laughs> yes, I understand. Um, soft skills. If you look at employers, where do they spend a lot of their time and effort? Sorting out problems with their workers. Disagreement. Lack of ability to get on. Lack of ability to mediate a problem between the, between the individuals in a group. Imagine an environment in which those sorts of mediations can be handled by the group, in which personal conflicts can be moved off to one side or negotiated or navigated through. That's why employers want this. The hard skills can always be found. You, every one of us has the ability to open a book and become an expert. In fact, now you don't even need the book. You can do it on your phone. And a person like me, that hurts. I mean, you know, I, I love books, but the reality is any piece of information you want is right there. If you want the hard skills, a lot of the knowledge behind them is available. The rest of the stuff takes time and effort. And that's what employers, that's, uh, that Eon Hewitt study that I mentioned, that's what they're recognizing. That if we can get rid of the lost time by dealing with interaction, negative interaction, and ability to see a path forward together, we'll have a far more productive society, a far more productive workplace. And I, I, I think that's, that's the area where the greatest advances can be made. Um, the human equation 
is immensely complex. To be able to handle a part of it by promoting healthy interaction, respectful interaction, is one of the most powerful things I believe you can do. To listen to a different point of view and to pivot ideas and move accordingly is progress. And I, I, I go back to that every single time. Uh, that those are the skills. When I say soft, they're the most valuable skills out there. Interaction, communication. Thanks for your question. Really appreciate it.